Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. As a true football fan, you already know, just as sure as the seasons change, Tom Brady will keep the Patriots in the game, and the Redskins will somehow figure out a way to disappoint you. Every weekend, our favorite gridiron warriors put their skills to the test, so why aren't you doing the same? We're almost halfway through the NFL season, so now is the time to get off the sidelines and get in the game with MyBookie. MyBookie is the premier place to bet on all your favorite pro and college football action every weekend. They always have the most up-to-date lines and the most prop bets of any sportsbook on the planet. So if you're going to bet this season, do the smart thing and bet with the best at MyBookie. If you're the kind of guy that likes to bet a little to win a lot, try a parlay. Pick your locks for the week, put them together in one parlay bet, and when they all come through, the rewards will be huge. Tired of watching games from the couch with nothing to gain? MyBookie wants to get your mind off everything else and back on the game. The best part is if you join right now, MyBookie will double your first deposit. That's right. If you put in $1,000, they'll give you $1,000. That's double your initial deposit so you can use on all of your favorite picks. Use promo code CHAIR to activate the offer. That's promo code C-H-A-I-R, CHAIR, to double your cash. Visit MyBookie.ag today. You play, you win, you get paid. UVA football is the softest bunch of cream puffs, bow tie wearing, brie cheese eating, NASCAR wearing wussies I've ever seen in my life. I want to punch people from UVA right in the neck. They wear suits to games. <laughs> That's absurd. Hey guys, and welcome back to the Guys and Ties podcast. Robert here, along with Dustin, and the Who's are coming off an L, a tough L, an ugly L, and uh, just all the way around kind of rough performance. And We're upset. We're here to talk about it and tell you what we think about the game, the season, put some things in perspective, but you know, let's not bury the lead, Dustin, what you watch the game, you know, what, what happened. It was uh, it was bad all around, and I think you know just watching it, it was it seemed like everything that went wrong could go wrong. The play calling was bad. The players made mistakes. The refs didn't help us at all. The rain came in and kind of screwed everything up. And so, in the end of the day, you know, it was just a bad overall game. We laid an egg, and it felt bad. I you know it was I almost turned off the game in the fourth quarter just because we weren't getting anything done and that would have been the first time this season which I think is a record for me not (laughs) turning off a UVA game this far into the season but still you know it didn't feel good and I don't want to go back to that place in my life where I had to not watch (laughs) UVA football because of how bad we were we have real people problems over here (laughs) we do we struggle at times we do but no it was it was ugly man it was not pretty and you know there's so many themes here there's so many ways to dissect this but I feel like you know what we came into the week talking about was Virginia struggles on the road like last year they won one game on the road at Duke this year you know you win the opener on the road against Pittsburgh 
and maybe the tide has turned there a little bit. And, you know, it's weird. It's the week after Duke where we smack Duke. I mean, who saw that coming? And I the did. Road, yeah. I, I want to talk about that. I saw <laughs> the smack coming. In fact, I predicted it in our preseason prediction. It was very bold and surprising. <laughs> <laughs> Dustin says that uh, the win over Duke would be easier than the win over ODU in the preseason. I did say that. And here we are. All right, which brings us to Duke. Bronco was 3-0 and against David Cutcliffe since joining Virginia. It's at home. I'm kind of thinking Virginia. What are you thinking? This is a win. I think this is an easy win. I mean, I think this is an easier win than, like, ODU. Oh, man. And unfortunately, I am now 7-1 and in my preseason predictions. I was 7-0 and before this last game. And I am 6-2? and yeah, yeah. So It's okay. I'm okay with it. The the trend the troubling trend though for me isn't so much that I was wrong on a game although it kills me a little bit that I pre- missed a prediction wrong but it's the trend this season is going this season this offense you lose three out of four now you know you talk about Duke last week Duke felt like kind of a must win game like this is the game that if Virginia is going to win or at least have a chance to compete on the Coastal Division Virginia had to win this game and. They did. They beat Duke, and they did it very easily. It was one of the most surprising performances of the season. But then, you know, you kind of, not with the same sense of urgency, but there was a little bit of a feel there with Louisville, too. You know, lay an egg. Not good. And now we're back to where we were last week going against North Carolina. The problem is that North Carolina's got some momentum, and it's on the road at night, and I I don't have much confidence in this team, especially the offense. Well, I want to go back to the preseason predictions where we were talking about, you know, what we thought this team was going to do. And we a lot of it was basing off of what the other teams in the Coastal were like. And I really thought that, I mean, and you thought we would lose to Miami, not because we were going to be bad, but because Miami was going to be good. Mm-hmm. And of course, that has not been the case this season. Miami's lost to UNC. They got crushed by Virginia Tech. And, you know, coming off of that Virginia Tech loss, it felt like we had a really good chance to go down to Miami, pull out a really good win. And it's the way that we've been losing to these teams that are kind of stuck in the mud that, you know, bothers me because it doesn't seem like we are able to you know, take down an opponent when they are at their lowest, which is annoying because we should be able to win some of these games. And if a couple of plays go our way, uh, we should we do win those games. And unfortunately, we haven't been able to pull it out and we haven't been able to finish. Yeah, well, credit where credit's due to Louisville. They're much better than we thought they'd be preseason. Yeah. And that's kind of the scary part, looking ahead next week to North Carolina. You know, UNC is only 4-4 four and four right now, but they're 3-2 and two in the conference. And that one loss is to Cl- against Clemson and what was a failed two-point conversion attempt. That would have won them the game had they made that attempt. So this is North Carolina team that has competed hard. Sorry, they also lost to Virginia Tech, too. So they're 3-2. and two. But this is a North Carolina team, again, that's significantly better than what they thought they'd, we'd be, what we thought they would be in the preseason. Their quarterback, though a true freshman, is legit. And... You know, who knows how this is going to play out. Although I would say, you know, on the road at night in a sold out stadium with this offense, with the total complete inability to establish any sort of consistency, momentum, 
anything is just a disaster waiting to happen. And it reminds me so much of the pit game last year where this game, you know, four games left in the season. This game is so huge in the Coastal Division race. But last year, Virginia was coming into that game with all sorts of momentum. This year, this year's equivalent of the game. It's this Virginia team looks lost out there. I mean, you know, every every week after a loss, we've, you know, it's been a good week for Virginia football. So after the Notre Dame loss, we had a bye, which was great. We didn't lose. And then after the Miami game, we crushed Duke, which was great, you know, great win. So after the Louisville game, hopefully the coaches can, you know, talk some sense into the players and also talk some sense into each other and go down to UNC and somehow get a win. And I don't know where it's going to come from because our running game seems non-existent at this point. And it seems that Anai is really refusing to establish a run game, even when Talapapa has a really good first half. Uh, Talapapa only has three rushes in the second half. Um, We seem to have an inability or, you know, Bryce Perkins wasn't able to throw the ball very well on Saturday. And, you know, part of that's due to the rain, but part of that, you know, he just missed some people. It wasn't raining that bad when he threw that interception over Jana. And that was just a bad, really, really bad throw. So we, we can't run, we can't pass, and the we haven't changed anything in order to get that going, mm-hmm. which is frustrating as a fan. Yeah, I mean, there's just, there's no excuse for what's happening now. As a, as a couch coach, this is frustrating. Well, it's it's frustrating for everybody, not just the couch <laughs> coach. I'm sure the coaching staff is upset too. Right, but they're the ones that actually have to change this. They're yeah. the ones that have to own this. And but they haven't. They and haven't. They haven't all, throughout. You know, we're we're uh, one in three the past four games, and nothing has changed really. I mean, it seems that our only playmaking ability is coming on special teams. Yeah, which is ridiculous. To credit them, they've actually done pretty well. And I mean, Joe Reed is the kick returner. Joe incredible. Reed's amazing. The problem is that the offense isn't doing anything. The defense is slowly wearing down, which eventually leads to touchdowns and points. You know, 21 second half points for Louisville after only seven in the first half. And he's getting those opportunities because the defense is not doing, you know, they're not being put in a good enough position. And they made mistakes too. But, you know, we're talking about one of the worst defenses in college football. Mm-hmm. And Virginia, what, they had, you said 69 yards before the final drive in the second half? Yeah, so before the final drive, I added up all the yards. We had 69 total yards through four or five drives in this total second half, which is ridiculous against one of the worst defenses in the entire nation. They're giving up 400-plus uh, yards a game, and th- we, we, can't, we can't even run against them. We had 78 rushing yards. The yeah. whole game. And it looked like they were going to get some momentum. I, You know, Wayne Talapapa, he had some nice runs towards the end of the game against Duke and looked like he was ready to carry that up. You know, he had a powerful, you know, five-yard rushing touchdown for the first touchdown. You know, I don't know if anyone even touched him on his second rushing touchdown, which mm-hmm. is right up the middle. It was 19 yards. And then that was it. We lost. We just didn't even try rushing anymore. Right. Except we're with Bryce Perkins, who has an injured knee who, after looking more explosive against Duke, is all of a sudden kind of back to square one, at least in the short-term basis, with, you know, kind of that lack of burst and suddenness and quickness. Yet, they want to run an option with him, with Tavares Kelly. They run all these spin plays. You know, it just doesn't make sense. Like, this offense, and, you know, it's so easy to just blame the offensive coordinator. But going back to, you know, 
the Virginia Tech game last year, it's been a lot of, you know, shakiness, you know, going back. And there's been some bright spots, that fourth quarter against Florida State, you know, that quarter and a half against Virginia Tech last year, you know, generally against South Carolina last year. There has been some bright spots, but this offense has been so inconsistent and there's no identity. And, you know, I I just don't know what to say at this point. And if Robert and I is on the way out and maybe he's coasting into retirement, you know, maybe that's for the betterment of the program. But at some point, we have to hold this team and this program accountable for how terrible this offense has been this season because mm-hmm. it's just wasting a very good defense and overall good special teams play too. And, you know, we're going, you know, if we're talking about how awful the offense has been, this is on both the players and the coaching staff at this point because there is no reason for Wayne Talapapa to have 11 carries, only 11 carries, 54 yards, two touchdowns. All, all of that except for three of the carries are coming in the first half. Uh, he's averaging 4.9 yards a carry. Bryce Perkins, 13 carries, 22 yards, zero touchdowns, 1.7 average. There's no reason to not run Taulapapa more than that, especially against this Louisville team that has struggled against the run the entire year. And, you know, the players can talk about all they want to about, well, you know, or the coaches can talk about this too. Well, Louisville made some good adjustments on defense or Louisville was prepared to stop the run. That's fine. Find a way to change that, okay? And we didn't change anything. We weren't passing well. We weren't running well. It it was embarrassing to watch. Yeah, and I don't know. I mean, I'm almost just lost for words at this point because you every time you think there could be a fix, or at least it's worth trying a fix, it just doesn't happen. It's kind of, you know, it goes into the second half differential where this Virginia team is generally struggling in the second half a little bit, at least recently. I mean, you know, it's coming down to also what it came down to last year, which is depth. Because mm-hmm. one thing we haven't brought up against uh, against Louisville that happened, Jordan Mack comes in, you know, somewhat questionable targeting call, but targeting nonetheless. He's going to miss the second half next week against North, or sorry, first the first half. half next week against North Carolina. So you have already lost Rob Snyder at inside linebacker. So Jordan Mack, you lose him for a half, puts freshman Nick Jackson in there with Zane Sandier. Zane Sandier made some great plays in the first half yesterday. Had some little bit aggressive, little bit undisciplined plays in the second half yesterday. So all of a sudden, you've got a very up and down middle linebacking unit. And in the secondary, we know people have been shifted around. There's all sorts of injuries back there. You know, we're starting to get tested on our depth again on the defensive side of the ball. And I think this team is better suited to deal with that this year than the team last year but all of a sudden it's becoming a concern with four games left in the season and if Virginia really does want to win the Coastal I don't see how they do it without beating North Carolina next week you know the you know you just do the math like yes there's three games coming up at home you win these next four games which are all winnable yeah nine and three is on the table but North Carolina is going to be a tough tough game and if you don't win against North Carolina I really don't see how you win against Virginia Tech especially this Virginia Tech team that is playing significantly better than what they were and you know they're surging of course they're surging of course they're going to play the best game of the season against us their defense is going to be ready we're probably you know at this point uh i i don't know if we're going to score 14 points against that virginia tech team and you know that's just what we're gonna have to live with is at this point is that we've got to rely on our defense we've got to rely on our special teams if joe can get us to the 50 yard line every time that's great 
but it seems that, you know, even when the teams try and kick it away from them, we find ways to get the ball at the 14-yard line, like when Kelly caught Fair caught it and then stepped out of bounds at the 14-yard line, mm-hmm. uh, which was – I that made me the most mad yesterday was when he did that. Um, just a stupid, stupid play. And, and it's just plays like that that are, have that plagued us yesterday. And, you know, the rest of the season we've been pretty disciplined. Yesterday was, I think, the worst game – discipline wise for this team uh eight uh eight penalties for 70 yards and some just dumb dumb plays the targeting call mm-hmm. yeah I, I mean even though i think it was questionable as well still gotta you know get lower on that quarterback and it's just you know frustrating to see the players kind of unravel like that in a really important game yeah and it's tough i mean the defense had some miscues in the second half and it's tough to say this game is on the defense because, as usual, the offense did not do nearly enough, especially in what should have been a very, very favorable matchup. But it even comes down towards the end of the game. You know, you look at the big explosive plays that Louisville had that they had used to score, or at least get in scoring positions kind of through the first three quarters. You know, the Cunningham run, you know, the flip pass that goes for 77 yards for a touchdown. That's kind of just guys being out of position. You know, ideally that doesn't happen. But against an option team that runs a lot of movement, you know, before the snap, they are going to get and move people out of position. And it's kind of what you'd see against Georgia Tech when we would play them the past couple of years. But you look at that uh, touchdown that made it 21 to 14, and that's just a simple zone read. And Joey Blunt had the running back and Zane Zane Deere was supposed to have the quarterback. And the defense is just on the field so long, they just keep having to make play, keep making plays. And you know, Zane comes in and goes to the running back when Joey Blunt had the running back and Cunningham goes almost untouched for a 25-yard touchdown. You know, it's just miscues. And when you play subpar down after down after down, especially on offense, it comes to the whole team and this whole idea of complementary football. You know, Virginia didn't, they weren't world beaters last year either. They were 7-5 to five in the regular season, which is increasingly looking like where this team might end up at 7-5 mm-hmm. and five in the regular season. And... You know, it's you saw in the beginning games, like the defense was really good, and that kind of made up for kind of deficiencies elsewhere. And this whole idea of complementary football right now, it, it's lasting for maybe a quarter, and it's starting to fall apart because really the offense just isn't isn't where it should be. I mean, even the Duke game last week, the the offense had less yards than Duke did the whole game, and that was because we had great field position because of all the turnovers our defense forced and once again this week we have lost the turnover battle you know Bryce there's a really bad interception in the red zone Uh, we fail to convert in the red zone once again and then Joe Reed fumbles it on our own 30 yard line and then of course Louisville goes and scores a touchdown on that next drive it's uh this season has been I think the 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 lack of turnovers for our defense and the increase in turnovers for our offense has really shifted i think what we thought the outcome of this season might be yeah and i i think that's a terrific transition because we we want to play a game with you guys we don't want to sit here and moan and gripe the entire episode about how this virginia team clearly disappointed yesterday. we will we will later in the episode <laughs> but for now we're going to play a game so Let's let's put some numbers to it. Let's put some broader context to it. Obviously, Virginia is not playing well, but we're going to play a little game here. Me and Dustin, I have a couple stats pulled up, and 
I want Dustin to guess where we fall nationally ranked in these stats. So there's a couple of them. And are they are they all bad? Are there some good ones? Uh, there's there's some better than others. <laughs> We're not above average in any of these. I'll put it that way. All right. That's um, fine. So again, for context, 130 teams in college football. Let's focus on how bad Virginia is in some of these areas. And let's go. All right. So you had brought up turnover margin. Mm-hmm. Let's bring up turnover margin. If you had to guess ranking wise where Virginia fell in the country in turnover margin, what would you guess? Okay. Do I, if I, okay, let's say I get a point if I get it right and you get a point if I don't. Is there a, <laughs> is there a margin of error for me? Yeah. Like if you fall within over? 10 spots, okay. You get over and under? Uh, or five and five. Five and five. Okay. Then you get a point. Turnover margin. I'm going to say 117. A point for Dustin. All right. We are 118th in turnover margin at minus six. That's a good guess. Like you said, it is very emblematic of both sides. Last year, the strength of the defense, it was kind of bend but don't break a little bit. Mm -hmm. You know, we got a lot of interceptions. We had a guy like Juan Thornhill. We had Tim Harris. Between the two of them, two-thirds, over 66% of our interceptions were gone from last season. Mm -hmm. And we just haven't filled that gap. We're just not a turnover-forcing defense anymore. And, you know, we stop players. We're good against yardage uh, metrics, but we're not forcing turnovers. Offensively, obviously, Bryce is not at the rate he was last year as far as turnovers. And most of his turnovers came in the first half of the season last year. I think he only had one interception in the back half of the season. So... I, I, I would ask you if that surprised you, but you got it right on. So That's not surprising, and it just goes to show how much that's defined our season. I think I also think that with with the turnover, we're, I mean, we're losing the turnover battle. I don't think we really expected that because, you know, we really thought our defense was going to be really good, and I think we underestimated how much turnovers actually helped our defense last year. And without those turnovers, our offense is not getting the good field position that they need. And also, you know, Bryce has been a little kind of flimsy with his ball protection this year. Uh, I think he has eight interceptions to eight touchdowns uh, passing. That sounds about right. It's either eight and eight or nine and nine. All right. Hold up. Hold up. We are at, it's nine and eight, nine touchdowns to eight interceptions. Nine and eight. But yeah, so I mean, last year he was much better than that. And so it feels like, it feels like much worse than that. And so that's not surprising to me at all that we're one of the worst teams in the country at that. All right, what's the next one? Let's move to the next one. Uh, Red zone percentage. And just so we're clear, red zone percentage, it includes field goals and touchdowns. So it's how often do you score points when you're in the red zone? Are you willing to tell me the percentage or are you going to tell me afterwards? I can tell you the percentage. Okay. 82.5%. Hmm. Well, I know we sucked against Miami. I feel like that brought us down a lot. Uh, besides that, I'm going to say we're at 105. A point for Robert. Oh. So we're actually not good here, but a little better than I think most people would have expected. We're 75th okay. in this area. So, and a lot of this comes down to the kicking game. You know, we are uh, converting field goals. And, you know, that's kind of the problem is that you look at the teams, uh, 74th is UMass, 76th is California. Um, UMass has only scored three field goals in the red zone. Cal has scored 
four field goals in the red zone, but we have scored 10 field goals in the red mm-hmm. zone, kind of split in between. So there's a pretty heavy tilt there as far as field goal versus touchdown percentage. While we, you obviously would want to be higher, you're not getting in the end zone as much as you would like. And that's even taking into account the Duke numbers where we did get into the end zone mm-hmm. with five, those five rushing touchdowns. And I feel like, I feel like that plays into my decision is that you know we haven't i i'm thinking back to the miami game a lot too where we we made you know six trips inside the 25 and had nine points and that was super frustrating because we were right there and we just couldn't finish and i feel like without those touchdowns we aren't winning those games those close games like miami uh like louisville and but it's good to hear that we are a little bit better than we think yeah, so we're maybe. not we're not as I wouldn't bad consider this progress. No, it's not. Hopefully, you know, I, I don't even know what to say of that. <laughs> Virginia should be better in the red zone. We should. I didn't want them all to be in the hundreds, um, ranking wise. All right. Thank you. So let's move on to the next one. Rushing yards per game. Where does Virginia rank in the country out of one hundred thirty teams in rushing yards per game? Oh, we don't rush the ball well, and I'm going to say one one nineteen point for Dustin. Nice. We are 123rd in the country out of 130 teams in rushing yards per game. That's so bad. Um, yeah, so we are averaging 3.3 yards per rush, and that's just not a formula for success. No. It's, it's just not. And so rushing, and I want to bring this into a broader point too. So we are averaging 3.3 yards per rush right now do you know what we averaged last season yards per rush you said 3.3 this season yeah oh last season i bet it was 4.7 or something close 4.5 yeah we averaged 4.5 yards per carry last season jordan ellis averaged 4.8 a carry mm-hmm. uh we were picked up a little bit by lamine zacchias he has 5.2 bryce perkins was 4.4 per carry but either way we we're always between four to five yards a carry on average this year we're 3.3 and you know Wayne has a decent average 4.2 yards per carry that's not great it was better than what Jordan Ellis was in 2017 before Mm -hmm. Bryce Perkins came but the huge difference is Bryce Perkins only has 275 net yards 2.3 yards per carry and you know even tying this out further you talk about zero explosive plays in the run game Mm -hmm. are long on the seasons from Mike Collins and the William & Mary game he had a 37 yard carry the longest rush from Wayne Talapapa was 31 yards, which came in garbage time against Duke last week. Mm-hmm. There is no explosive plays and absolutely zero consistency in the ground game. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's frustrating because, yeah, you know, as we were talking about earlier, and I'm going to pick on the Louisville game again, let's, let's, let's moan a little bit more, <laughs> is that, you know, Wayne Talapapa had a great first half, two touchdowns, uh, 50 plus yards on like eight, eight carries or something. And, he it seemed like Louisville was really unable to stop him. That was the first time all season that that Anai was willing to send Talapapa like straight up the middle for a whole drive, it felt like. Mm-hmm. And he capped it off with a really good touchdown run. It felt like we should have stuck with that and we did not for some reason. And I'm not quite sure why. I don't know if we felt like we had to play catch up in the second half because you know we really didn't we At didn't least in have the third to. quarter no well we didn't have to in the third quarter and then 
I think we just got behind on the first couple downs and we had to pass. You know, we had several um, drives that only lasted three or four or five plays. But it's still frustrating that Wayne only got three carries in the second half. Yeah, and you go from a Bryce Perkins who gets injured on the knee that was previously injured, and he gets injured, and then all of a sudden it's like, oh, well, let's focus more of our game plan on Bryce Perkins. Right. Like, let's highlight him more in the ground game and the passing game. And it doesn't make sense. And, you know, the thing about Bryce is that he he's done a lot better than last year in his passing game. But he came into Virginia as a runner. He His game was running. He is known as a runner. His passing game was something that always needed some work. And, you know, Rob and I talked about a lot. We talked about this a lot last season where we always were questioning his arm strength and his accuracy. And I think that this year his accuracy is a lot better, not so much his arm strength. And it seems that his running is gone. Like, like it, it, if it's just the knee injury or if defenses are keying in on him more, which I think is probably a little bit of both, but Bryce Perkins is not able to run at the same kind of level that he was last season. And that's fine, but we got to find a new way to run the ball. And especially because Bryce is not known as a passer, he's known as a runner. And his passing's fine on short and medium throws, but... For one, he isn't getting a lot of time in the pocket. And two, Bryce Perkins cannot seem to throw while running. While on the run, he can't throw. Mm-hmm. And it seems, I don't know if he if he doesn't know how or if he if he's just inaccurate with that, but he seems unwilling to do that. So either he stays in the pocket too long or he just takes off. Yeah. And one way or the other, it hasn't worked out this season. I think part of it's just a lack of confidence, a lack of trust and that knee or his mobility in general because uh, last year he made some decent plays on the run right and this year it's just he's running it's not so much running out of the pocket it's running for his life out of the pocket <laughs> it's it's just a different scenario and it's it's frustrating and it's not sustainable as we're finding out yeah so okay another stat for you so where would you guess virginia ranks nationally again out of 130 teams and sacks allowed per game. Sacks allowed? Yes. Ooh. I'm going to say 107. Okay, close, but I'll take that point. We are 118th, Ooh. allowing 3.25 sacks per game. See, because it feels like... Oh, I guess I, I guess I said lower than that. I mean, it's still bad, what I said, but... I guess I said lower than what you what the actual answer is because I feel like a lot of times Bryce can at least get back to the line of scrimmage or get one or two yards, but I can definitely see how our offensive line is really bad and, and gives up a lot of sacks. And like one thing that's kind of funny about this too, you want to talk about bad offensive line play in the mm-hmm. ACC? There are five teams, including Virginia, ranked 118th and lower in this. So Virginia is tied with Florida State. So we're higher than we're, some. We're higher, than, yes. Than five other ACC <laughs> So teams. we are tied with Florida State at 118. Oh my gosh. UNC is at 121. Okay. Uh, Miami is at 126. Uh-huh. And Syracuse is dead last in the country at 130th. Wow. Allowing five, 5.25 sacks per game. Three coastal teams. Yeah. <laughs> It's ugly, man. The Coastal's bad. The state of the offensive line in the ACC is bad. Virginia is among those teams. And not to mention, you know, if you want to throw in Georgia Tech, Georgia Tech is 113th. 
So okay, yeah, let's throw them in. That's four <laughs> coastal teams. Uh, as some of the worst offensive lines in the whole country. That's insane. You know, I was I was looking at Twitter and someone tweeted out that the coastal, every, the coastal is the only division in the country that has every team has at least two losses. And that's what makes the coastal fun. It's kind of like, and I said this yesterday on Twitter. It's like Russian roulette, except when you, instead of dying, you get to lose to Clemson in the <laughs> in the title game. So, all right, we'll we'll end on this then. <laughs> Let's <laughs> to end bring this. it all. This is so together. sad. Let's end. <laughs> but I think this is important. I think this is important. We see it's bad, but it's important to rarely know. do we see how bad we are in certain statistical <laughs> categories. And yeah. we're actually very let's bad. Just, let's just see how bad we actually are instead of what we perceive us yeah. to be. So let's tie this in. Okay. It kind of ties in a lot. Let's keep it simple. Total offense. Oh, man. Where does Virginia rank? See, I think I think our total offense is, has been elevated a little bit by games against William & Mary, games against Duke. Uh, even the pit game, we, we were pretty good. I'm going to say uh, 102. Oh, wow. So I guess I'll take the dub by a single rank. Uh, we Ooh. are 108 in total ah, offense. That's close. So we average uh, 345 yards per game. And it's pretty bad. That's mm-hmm. that's quite bad. And that's just kind of the entire point. Like, you know, we're not only are we not moving the ball effectively in certain spots, we're kind of just not moving the ball that effectively. And I think we kind of think we are more than I think we actually are. Mm-hmm. I think there are so many issues with this offense right now that we can focus on one area one game and another area the other game. But in reality, we're 108th in total offense. We are in the bottom uh, 20% of the league and of college football and yeah. offensive production. You know why it feels like more? Because our special teams is really good, and they give us a better field position. Because mm-hmm. like, when we're winning the field position game, uh, either, either on kickoffs or on punts, uh, our punt team is able to trap the other team down really far a lot of times. And our kickoff team, it seems like Joe Reed breaks off a 40-yard return uh almost once a game and so i feel like a lot of times our special teams is responsible for getting us really good field position and then our offense doesn't have to do as much so even though we score probably more than the average team around our area we do so we're 61st in the country in points per game right so we score more than those teams but we don't get as many yards i feel like that has a lot to do with how our special teams has performed this season yeah which is amazing it's the whole complimentary football idea but you can't have two compliments without the third. If you yeah. want to play this complimentary football game where none of the units are like elite elite and you mm-hmm. want to have them build off of each other, there's got to be, they all got to be working together. And yeah. the offense is not carrying its weight, which is bringing down the rest of the team. Yeah. Yeah. And that goes to show, I mean, who would have thunk that our special teams would have been the best in the, in in the, in the for this year for our team? Yeah. And I mean, the defense has played well. Defense has been really good, but our special, special teams, teams have been, been really good. good. <laughs> and the offense just hasn't carried its weight, unfortunately. Yeah, shout out to uh, to Nash Griffin for his 79-yard punt yesterday. Best in the country so far this year. So, yeah, it was a really good punt. Yeah, I mean, Joe Reed had some great returns yesterday. Mm-hmm. A little trickery with the flip. On I love one the of them, flip. The I, wa- I want yeah. that to happen more often. The only, the only bad thing was Kelly catching it on the 14 and stepping out. That was <laughs> really stupid. Yeah. But moving on, thanks for that game. We got to play more. I like that game. 
And we can do some when basketball season hits too. There's a lot of stats for basketball. A lot of um, advanced stats. A lot of basketball advanced stats. Very, very yeah. unique. Obviously. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> part part of a the guys and ties have a subscription to Ken Palm, so we we like to browse that a lot. And the Ken Palm rankings just came out. You know what we are? We're for the next season. Fourth, fifth. I know we're ninth in the AP poll. We no, we're eleventh in the AP poll. We weren't we ninth in one poll. Uh, I think we're ninth in the coaches poll. Okay, maybe that's it. Yeah, yeah, but we are fifth in Kimbom. So starting off pretty good, kind of right where we were at last year. Yeah, it's it's starting to look more and more like basketball season. It's like it's almost <laughs> time for it's it. It's time for basketball <laughs> season, baby. We're back. Yeah, uh, I'm ready to talk about basketball whenever you are. But I think we can hold off on basketball a little bit, lo- uh, a little bit longer. Uh, we have about two weeks left before the first game against Syracuse in the Carrier Dome on November 5th. Uh, I'm going to be super excited about that. But uh, let's finish off this football podcast by talking about our next game against UNC. We've touched on it a little bit, how it's a really pivotal game for us, and it's probably going to decide uh, our coastal fate, whether we win it or whether we have no chance of winning it at all. So, Rob, what are some thoughts that you have about the game next week going into it uh i don't think it's looking pretty for virginia now (laughs) the one maybe the one edge that uva has in this one is that every single one of unc's games has been decided by one possession unc every game this year be it against clemson what a what a what a way to live, man! Yeah, on the live, edge, yeah. <laughs> Mac Brown, man, he wasn't. <laughs> the studio oh, life wasn't fulfilling. What year was it when UVA had like seven or eight games decided by oh, a 07. field goal? Yeah, that was a Chris less. Long year. It's crazy year. Yeah, insane. So that's that's kind of where UNC's at. Except UNC's four and four right now, so they have lost some games. But uh, you know, UNC's a good team, and they're going to sell out that stadium. It's going to be a night game. And Virginia has not played well on the road. You know, the lone exception being Pittsburgh. And Pitt, we caught them at a good time, first week of the season. And they're also inconsistent, just like every other team in the Coastal. They lost to Miami yesterday. They they wanted to gift wrap us the lead in the Coastal. And I saw a tweet they that was to. They really saying UVA to. is not accepting gifts at this time. <laughs> so That is never true. We are always accepting monetary gifts. Uh, you can ask uh, Jim Ryan about that. He will always accept your gifts, but not but not Bronco. Bronco says, "Nope, let's uh, let's make those. this more difficult. Yeah. <laughs> let's earn it. Let's earn, earn not given." Holy cow, we've come full circle. Let's quit podcasting. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, do you have any thoughts on UNC? I yeah, I um, I just want to say that UNC. I mean, so ESPN has us. Uh, the game is you know, kind of a wash in terms of what ESPN says, 52.9% UNC wins to 47.1% UVA wins. Um, the spread hasn't come out yet. It's just Sunday, but uh, UNC's defense is not great. They allow about 400 yards a game, uh, but their offense is a lot better than ours. Sam Howell, a true freshman, has over 2,000 yards passing, 22 touchdowns to only five interceptions this season. And they also have a good running game. Uh, they have a good running back, uh, Williams, 640 yards and three touchdowns. I think we actually have the edge at receivers. Um, our receivers are better than theirs, but their defense is not great. Uh, but 
it goes without saying that our offense is bad. So uh, it's going to be probably a close game, and uh, it's going to be exciting. That's I mean, right. That's what I think. Hopefully, it's a close game. Hopefully, by UNC's perspective, they always play close it's always games. Be close. <laughs> Virginia, Virginia on the road. Like if there was a game that UNC wins by a touchdown or two, this might be it on the road at night. Again, so we- it's on. It's on ACC Network at seven thirty next week. We are both tied at three and two in the Coastal Division. So this is going to be for the lead and us and Virginia Tech and UNC control their destiny in the Coastal Division this year. Mm -hmm. And it's the second year in a row UVA has been in the Coastal conversation. But what we saw last year is they kind of hit this point and they lost the game that was the same week equivalent um, last year against Pittsburgh. Virginia just wasn't there for that game. And here we are again, except Virginia does not have the momentum. They're on the road against a UNC team that has played really inspiring football, not always successful, but really inspiring football. Mm-hmm. And I don't see a scenario where Virginia wins the Coastal or even even beating Virginia Tech. I don't see a scenario where those two things happen without beating North Carolina Now, I do, I, I do want to say that UNC's remaining schedule after us is tougher than ours. So we they've got, they're at Pitt. Um, they've got a bye, then they're at Pitt on a Thursday, and then they've got at NC State to end the year. So they've got two away games after us while we've got two home games. So we've got Georgia Tech at home, which hopefully, pray to God, we can win that game because if we don't, we're in deep trouble. And then we've got Tech at home, and that's you know going to be as it always is probably. <laughs> and uh, we just don't have to talk about that right now. Yeah. But but we, we do have two home games to their two away games. So even if we do lose... Um, we can get some help probably from some other teams. But the crazy part about the coastal is that pretty much every team is three and two or two and right. three. So you don't know if anyone's going to sneak up behind we you either. We have no idea, except for Tech, who's two and two right now. Okay. Yeah. So they're two and two, and uh, they're only a half game behind us. Tech also controls their destiny. So if Tech wins out, they will be the coastal champions, which would really, really be a bummer, I think. Yeah. That's not how you would have thought <laughs> would this would have started. Be, it would just be killer, man. Uh, we're picked to win the Coastal, and then they win. Anyway, those are all my thoughts for the UNC game. It's gonna be a, um, it's gonna be a really, I think it's gonna be a good game. You know, oldest rivalry in the South. Uh, you know, it's the rivalry that a lot of like the old hat UVA fans like more than the Virginia Virginia Tech rivalry game, and uh, I like it too. It's always fun to play UNC. They're uh, they've got a good team. They got a fun team this year with Mac Brown. I uh, love the Jordan brand. I love their helmets last week against Duke. Mm-hmm. Uh, really cool with the with the heel on the helmet. But besides that, uh, those are all my thoughts. And uh, I'm interested to see what the line is coming out on soon. Yeah. Uh, when do the lines come out? Uh, we don't bet enough. I'm not a better. I'm not a better. <laughs> I, I, do, our <laughs> I do bet with my bookie, but I don't I do not do the over-under. Yeah, so I don't know. You'll, you'll probably know this by the time you listen to this. Right. But I don't know. I'd put my money on North Carolina. I, I don't, I don't bet on college. <laughs> <laughs> but I think that's it for us today, Rob. You want to give some yells? Sure. Uh, let's give a yell to Eli Handback mm-hmm. because, despite how poorly Virginia looked at times throughout the game, despite the loss, Eli Handback career high two sacks. One of them was just an awesome sack. Just drove the center back. It was awesome. It was a good play. 
another he kind of teamed up with uh, Charles Snowden on. Um, Eli Hamback had a good game yesterday. He's, you know, one of the pillars that this team was built around when Bronco came in. Um, and, you know, he's not a captain, but, you know, he's going to be asked to play like one the last couple of weeks with Bryce Hall out, with Bryce Perkins injured, Jordan Mack missing the first half of uh, next week. Um, but Eli Hamback had a good game. And uh, I want to give my shout out to ACC Network, and they have the documentary unbelievable coming yes. out this wednesday yes. at 8 p.m i'm really excited for it. i've already got it uh, recorded on my dvr so that's gonna happen and uh i am excited to see what comes out so there's gonna be interviews with players coaches and uh, we basically just get to rewatch the whole uh ncaa tournament which is gonna be great and also we'll probably have to see some umbc highlights as well uh but i'm over it at this point which yeah, is cool don't bother me anymore they don't bother me anymore and you know <laughs> it's great because <laughs> we have a national title that's so nice isn't it uh but anyways i think that's it for us today so thank you so much for listening this is the guys and ties podcast uh make sure to tune in next week we're probably gonna have more basketball content coming out soon as basketball comes out so be on the lookout for that i'm the basketball guy I, rob is too but i love basketball more than football so i'm excited for basketball season to come out soon and uh, make sure to follow us on Twitter at Guys and Ties Pod. Make sure to follow us on Snapchat and Instagram at Guys and Ties Pod. Go ahead and give us a follow on iTunes and Spotify if you keep wanna if you wanna keep listening to us. And uh, check out Armchair Media. They've got a lot of great podcasts. All your favorite sports are on there. And we will see you guys next week. Go Hoos! Beat UNC. Some people just know there's a better way to do things, like bundling your home and auto insurance with Allstate, or hiring someone to move your piano instead of doing it yourself. So do things the better way. Bundle home and auto and save up to 25% with Allstate. Bundled savings vary by state and are not available in every state. Saving up to 25% is the countrywide average of the maximum available savings off the home policy. Allstate Vehicle and Property Insurance Company and Affiliates, Northbrook, Illinois.